0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Proverbs chapter 20. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn, he will seek at harvest and have nothing. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children from after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. Who can say I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to Yahweh. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, Yahweh has made them both. Love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away then he boasts. There is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for Yahweh, and he will deliver you. Unequal weights are an abomination to Yahweh, and false scales are not good. A man's steps are from Yahweh, how then can man understand his way? It is a snare to say rashly, it is holy, and to reflect only after making vows. A wise king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them. The spirit of man is the lamp of Yahweh, searching all his innermost parts. Steadfast love and faithfulness preserve the king, and by steadfast love his throne is upheld. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. This is the word of the Lord. Our text today actually has a lot more marketplace kind of conversation to it, and I say that to include farming as well. Just the general work occupation of man shows up several times in this text. We start out with the idea, however, about drunkenness, that wine ends up making fun of you if you've drank too much. Drinking strong alcohols are going to make you into trouble. They're going to get you into fights and problems. If you're led astray by alcohol, you're not wise. And that's a fair statement. It's easy to see. We can see easily in the world around us the problems that arise from alcohol. So if you If you give in to alcohol, unless you struggle with alcoholism, right, that's a different conversation. But in order to even start drinking, you have to have ignored the wisdom that would suggest that you don't. There is no reason to ever get drunk. When we get drunk, we give over, we cede control of our bodies to someone else. Not a question for little kids, but if you've got teenagers, who do you think takes control when you're no longer in control of yourself. Because that's the thing, right? That's why teenagers like to get drunk. They, they like to lose control and just do random stuff. But who's directing the random that they do? It's not them. It's not God's Word. It's either going to be the, the peers around them, so the world... One of the sources of our temptation, the sinful nature, our heart, that's another source of our temptation, or the devil himself. none of those things are befitting of a Christian to give control to. This is why the scriptures are hard on being drunk. It's not that drinking's bad; drunkenness is is the sin. the terror of a king like the growling of a lion, if you provoke him, you lose your life. it makes sense. Uh, Kings have a lot of power, so if you make the king angry, he has the ability to put you to death. That's not to say that he should necessarily, but death penalty is in his power, the power of the sword, Romans 13. He can do it. He will have to answer to God someday for whether he wielded that sword well or not. Verse 3, it's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife. Simple enough, right? That's good for us if we don't get into quarrels and arguments. The fool does. He pretty much runs into them. The lazy man, the sluggard, verse 4, doesn't plow in the autumn. This could be a reference to prepping his fields for the spring. It could be a reference to a milder climate where there are some crops that you plant in various times of the year. Regardless, when he goes to harvest, there isn't anything, because he didn't do the prep work needed in order to have a harvest. So he wants to eat, but he didn't work. And this is like Paul saying in Second Thessalonians 3, verse 10, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Verse 5, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So the, the picture of deep water, again, we had a couple chapters ago, the, like the sea, the ocean that claims life, our heart, not good. leads us to death but the man of understanding he'll seek to come out of that drawing water the image like drawing it from the well um, being drawn out so that you're not just sinking in the sea of your own desire verse six many men proclaim their own steadfast love faithfulness loyalty mercy their love for self there's so much of this in the world i put love in quotes in my uh, notes here the world likes the word love it loves the word love and it uses it for all kinds of things love is love after all it's not what love is at least not the way we would think of it as as Christians as God's people none of that has to do with how God loves us anyway man likes to claim love for himself but a faithful man who can find there's the contrast and big picture that's what our own nation our own country our culture right now looks like it's hard to look at the news and see faith part of why I don't look at the news anything I need to know I can learn from my neighbor Jesus speaks this way in Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 18 verse 8 asking when he returns will he find faith on the earth there's a rarity to faith. The narrow road versus the highway that leads to destruction, the broad road. Verse 7, the righteous who walks in his integrity, so who stays in his faith, his children are blessed because they have this example to follow. They have received sound instruction. They've been taught the ways of the Lord by their father. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. A simple definition for winnow here would be separate. It's a Again, a, a harvest, a farming picture as the, the winnowing fork, like a pitchfork that you would take to your threshing floor and you would use it to scoop the, the grain and toss it up in the air and the wind would separate out, well actually really the, the grain bouncing around is going to separate the, the part that you want from the chaff the flaky skin, and the wind is going to blow that chaff away. So the king is using his eyes to winnow evil. He's separating the evil from the good by his discernment. He has the wisdom to do so, like Solomon asked God for in First Kings 3. Verse 9, who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from sin? Truly none, no one of us can. This is a good family question, though. Who can say this? Can you say this? Can I say this? Can any of us say this? What makes us pure and clean of heart if it's not ourselves, if it's not our actions? And that's Christ. It's Jesus and his cross. He is the one who has cleansed us from our sin, washed us clean by his blood. As Revelation 6, they have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Our sins like scarlet will be made like wool, white as snow from Isaiah chapter 1. Good pictures here. Unequal weights and measures are an abomination to Yahweh, so it's lying, to steal, to cheat, deceive your neighbor. So another marketplace picture. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. Hence, here, children are also sinners. They also commit sin. They do things God has not given to do. And that's how we can look at a child and, and know them. We can know whether they are faithful or not. A lot of Christians deny that and say that we can't, that children aren't sinners. But that's not what the scriptures teach. There's no age of accountability to be had. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, Yahweh has made them both. So we get first article creation there, that God made all things. But also, remember these are common faith statements for Jesus. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let him see. Or they get reversed the other way as well. Those references in the Gospels are are to faith. That it is faith that enables us to hear and see. Verse 13 is laziness in the contrast. So love not sleep, you'll come to poverty. Uh, Open your eyes, you'll have plenty of bread. So the one who sleeps in doesn't work. But the one who who does get up in the morning, and they go to work and they have food. Verse 14 is back to the market and theft. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away he boasts. So when he's looking at the product in the market that he wants to buy, he talks it down. He speaks about it as though it's not good, it hasn't been done well, made well. Um, I'm not going to give you full price for it, but yeah, maybe I'll give you half price. And the seller kind of feeling defeated and thinking maybe he won't be able to sell it to anybody because he's bought this lie and he sells it to him for a cheaper price the man wanted it anyway but he just lied to his neighbor and stole from him not good care for one another there is gold in abundance of costly stones but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel so what we speak good words are better than any money or or gem in this world verse 16 gets into loans that if your neighbor is going to put up security for a stranger or a foreigner that is you're, you've got somebody strange among you an alien in your midst who is not one of you and he can't help himself so he's he wants a loan but he can't even put up security for his loan in case he doesn't come through on his promise, his deal, his agreement. And so one of your own people does. The advice of Solomon here, the wisdom of Solomon, is take a pledge from your neighbor because you're not going to see that foreigner fulfill his duty. It's a pretty strong word. Uh, Deuteronomy 23, verses 19 to 20 Uh, the section on interest, that we do not charge our brothers in the church and the kingdom of God interest, but that we can charge interest of a foreigner. It's an Old Testament law, and it's a bit what we pick up on here in verse 16. Really, uh, the, the perspective of generosity is just give it to them, depending on what it is and depending on what your neighbors need. Just be generous. Give your neighbors what they need. Seventeen, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man. So here's another theft picture. But afterward, his mouth is full of gravel. So you could take that as the, the bread. You know, you think of the crumbs of bread and they turn into stone in his mouth. Not literally, but how it's going to come back upon him, the evil that he has done. In verse 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. This is actually a caution verse that you don't just recklessly go to war but you consider it you ponder it i would say you pray as well you take counsel and by all of wisdom then if war is the necessary thing you go to war as a king sometimes you will likely have to go to war this reminded me of luke 14 verse 31 where jesus talking about the cost of discipleship uses war as an illustration That what king wouldn't count how many men he has before the the battle, right? Recognizing that, can he with his 10,000 troops defeat this other king with his 20,000 troops? And if not, he'll send for peace before the battle ever happens. Verse 19, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Because if you do, they'll know all your secrets and they'll babble them everywhere. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. That's a reference to either being cut off or killed. And sometimes the Old Testament uses cut off as killed. Exodus 21 verse 17 actually gives us the instruction, the law of God, that the child who curses his parents is to be put to death. This connects to the purpose of parenting, which is to teach your child the faith. Deuteronomy 6, Psalm 78, 1 through 8 uh, there are several other spots as well. Dad's job was to teach his son about God, who he is, what he's done for them. And if the child is cursing his parents, it means he's not going to listen to the gospel anymore. He's not going to listen to God's word anymore. He's going to be an outsider, and he's going to seek to destroy others with him, who don't, causing them, tempting them to not believe in God. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end we saw something very similar in chapter 13 verse 11 the person who gains wealth quickly doesn't know how to manage it and so they end up losing it misusing it do not say I will repay evil wait for Yahweh he will deliver you this is Romans chapter 12 verse 19 that vengeance is not ours vengeance belongs to the Lord we are to love even our enemies and care for them in hopes that they will see Christ's love in us and hear of Christ from us. And if they do, they're no longer our enemies. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. If they don't, leave it to to the judge on the judgment day. Leave it to God and he will handle it. Unequal weights again show up here in verse 23, just as they did back in verse 10. Verse 24, man's steps are from Yahweh. How then can man understand his way? Only in him god gave us our feet he gave us this earth we can only understand what is good by turning to him and allowing him to guide us psalm 119 verse 105 that his word is a lamp to our path and a light to our feet it is a snare to say rashly it is holy and to reflect only after making vows this hasty idea showing up again don't rush into making an oath jesus would tell us in matthew 5 not to make oaths at all but in the old testament there was still a role for an oath at that point we've got the judge jephthah who makes the terrible oath that cost him his own child and so forth so be cautious of these things jesus will again say let your yes be yes and your no no anything more than this comes from the evil one verse 26 a wise king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them this is part of the farming process, part of the harvest process. At the threshing floor, you would roll a heavy stone over the stalks of grain. That helps to crush the, the stalks up, breaking them down, separating the grain from the stalk, so that when you winnow, when you throw it up in the air, those worthless those parts are gonna be blown away. And the, the core, the food that you want to eat and cook with, that's heavier, and it will fall back to the, the floor. The spirit of man is the lamp of Yahweh, searching all his innermost parts. Ask your kids what the lamp of Yahweh is. And we think of John chapter 8, verse 12, I believe it is, where Jesus says that I am the light of the world. The spirit of man. Searches all his innermost parts. God knows us. And so he searches us. And thanks be to God for us today, Christ dwells in us. So when God comes to search me and when he comes to search you, he sees the love of his son. He sees the perfection of his son. Verse 28 Steadfast love and faithfulness preserve the king. By steadfast love, his throne is upheld. This was true in ancient Israel and Judah. That if they were faithful, if they trusted in the Lord, he preserved them. He gave them long life. Um, It's not the case necessarily for us today, as we don't have God as our king. We've cast him off. So part of our curse, part of our punishment, is we have to put up with earthly rulers who are not faithful. Now, that doesn't mean we don't pray for them to be faithful. 1 Timothy 2 actually talks about that. Verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength, the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Both have something to give young men to work. Old men have wisdom from all the years that they lived and survived. Verse 30, to wrap up the chapter, is pretty simple. Um, it's the idea of punishment. Punishment brings Cleansing removes evil, cleans the innermost parts. So it does that individually as we think of discipline when we have sinned, when we've wronged. Being punished helps us repent in worldly ways. Right? But also then we have the bigger picture of the community, that the punishment does help the community avoid further sin. And there's examples of this in the Old Testament. So like when when you've got the man, Achan, who, who kept some of the the plunder, when they had raided the city of Ai, and so the the battle didn't go well for the people afterwards. Achan is punished by being put to death so that the remaining people see how serious his sin was and they don't repeat it. This happens. This is true of God's judgment in this world. Wherever God's judgment takes place, it happens, and there are people spared. There's a remnant so that the remnant recognizes what the cause of sin is. What the consequence of sin is. And they have an opportunity to learn and to repent from what they have seen and learned.